You are listening to The Pulse, Rod Murray's e-learning tech podcast. Number 199, Nareen Hall of InSpace. Hi, this is Rod Murray. Welcome back to my podcast. That was a clip from a piece called Pachelbel for the Potomac by Laura Sullivan. Of course, it's based on the famous Pachelbel canon, one of my favorite classical pieces. And of course, I'll play the full song at the end of my podcast. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by D2L. You may know their main product, the Brightspace Learning Management System. I, of course, would only accept sponsorship from companies and products that I am very fond of. So please check out their website at d2l.com slash pulsepodcast to learn more. I also invite you to follow me on Twitter. My handle is RodsPods. As always, I post links to the things we talk about on my show notes website at www.rodspulsepodcast.com. In this episode, I interview Nareen Hall, who's the founder and CEO of InSpace. Quote, InSpace is a socially intuitive online learning platform by mimicking the natural flow of a classroom through proximity-based audio. We feel it's the closest you can come to teaching face-to-face in the virtual space. End quote. We discuss Nareen's background. She's an assistant professor and program director in data science at Champlain College. She has a PhD in computer science and complex systems from the University of Vermont. She teaches multiple courses in data science and specializing in machine learning. We talk about the history of InSpace and their major feature, which is proximity-based audio using machine learning. She mentions how it improves student participation, for example, in their breakout rooms, The focus is on the face. Each student face is in a video circle, so there's no distracting background. There's a chat feature that's available inside and outside of the classroom. The application is equally as useful in synchronous and asynchronous education. They have a mobile app, of course. And one unique feature of their analytics is that they're not just merely analyzing the quantity of a student speaking, which can certainly make these conversations stilted, but they measure the quality of the conversations. Very interesting. Their unique feature set includes discussions, rooms, and broadcast mode. Of course, they have LMS integrations. They can You can share your screen. I'm often excited by some of the entrepreneurs and these new educational applications, but Noreen Hall really sticks out in my mind. Her enthusiasm and the uniqueness of their application really is amazing. I was blown away by some of the features that they offer. If you're tired of using Zoom in your classroom, or if you're looking for a replacement, InSpace should be a major contender. So here we go. Without further ado, listen to my interview with Nareen Hall. Nareen, thank you so much for agreeing to talk to me and my audience today. I'm really anxious to learn a lot about your product. It sounds very neat. Before we get into some of your unique feature sets. Why don't you tell us about yourself and uh, what, what your background is? Hi, Rodney. I'm very excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So my background is I'm associate professor at Champlain College uh, teaching computer science and uh, data science and machine learning. And before that, uh, I have been at IBM Watson and um, some other startups. My career really evolved between academia and industry. And when I got my PhD and graduated, 
I really love both so much. I couldn't decide which way to go. So I've sort of really figured out a way to create a career right in the intersection of academia and industry. Excellent. Yes. Uh, I'm uh, similar to you in that uh, I was in industry and then came over to academia and spent the rest of my career in academia. So great. So how did you, first of all, how did you think about this um, idea? And and I, I also love to hear a little bit about you know, the, the entrepreneurship and, and how you, how it evolved from an idea into a company. Can you uh, dive into that a little bit? Absolutely. You know, in 2020, when, you know, COVID started, uh, I was teaching uh, a Champlain college, you know, I was teaching um, machine learning courses and data mining courses. And I had like really fun time doing this. I love teaching. That's, that's where my passion is. And, uh, you know, when we had to pivot to online, you know, I thought, yeah, this couldn't be too bad. I, I sort of got this, right? You know, I had a lot of content was already online and I was using a lot of different um, technologies. And I just recently also got Google Faculty Award for my content in machine learning. So I thought, I was like, okay, well, this couldn't be too bad. And, you know, and that was until like I had my very first class online. And, you know, I was like using uh, a traditional platform that was, I was glad it was there that we could communicate. But one thing that I noticed immediately uh, was the social cues weren't there. I couldn't see my students and I couldn't really understand like how well they were doing and how, what was going on in the classroom. And so usually uh, in my classroom, I, I have like hands-on experiences. I want to make sure the students try and apply what they have learned. And so this comes with like different project work and group work. And so like, you know how in traditional classroom, you have students going to separate parts of the room and they're working in groups and you can walk around and see how they're doing. And you sort of have those social cues, when is the right time to sort of go in there and help them, motivate them. And when is the time to sort of let them run with their sort of thoughts. And none of this could be done in this traditional video conferencing platform. At this point, you know, I sort of put my research hat on and start researching everything that was out there. I tried like every possible, uh, you know, stuff out there. There were some of them that were fun and gimmicky, but not quite learning. And some were too rigid to do what we wanted to do. And, you know, honestly, by the end of that semester, I was exhausted and I almost wanted to quit. And at that point, I got together with, with my co-founder, with whom we have coded many nights in college. And we're like, okay, could this be better? Is this the technology or this is fundamentally a problem that we can't solve? Like maybe teaching online is a thing. And that's where the idea of InSpace came up. Excellent. Yeah, there there are some um, other products out there, but um, I think uh, the thing that attracted me to find out more about yours was the idea of um, proximity-based audio. I know that seems to be at the one of your key uh, features. So if I was an instructor and I wanted to use your product, how comfortable would I be with it in terms of, you know, I've been using Zoom since we've started the, you know, uh, emergency teaching using Zoom as we went online. So uh, how much of a transition is it between going from something like Zoom to, to your product? That's a great question. So for us, one of the fundamental things that we kind of thought about was, what if we forget everything that's out there and just start from scratch? How would we build a video conferencing platform that's built just for educators, just for learning and nothing else, right? Like no one else matters, right? Just, just one purpose. And that's kind of where we started thinking like, what happens in a real classroom? Could we bring that into online space, right? Uh, and proximity-based interaction was one of the things that was one of the first things. You know, in a real classroom, you have this ability to freely move 
in the space, right? Like you can go approach someone, have a conversation with them and then move and talk to someone else. And those moments are so important. Like, you know, before the exams, when students exchange some information, they talk, maybe share their anxieties about the upcoming exam. Those moments are so critical for the wellness and connectedness and just like overall experience. And none of that was possible in a traditional environment. So that first thing we thought about was like, what if you had freedom of movement? You could click on your video circle and you could move around anywhere in the space and interact with others. And that's where the proximity-based interaction came in. If you're close to people, you can talk to them, interact with them. As you move your video circle away, you can't hear them anymore. So you can go find new conversations. And that was the magical moment when we realized we can all be in the same classroom, belong to the same space but we can have multiple conversations and each student can feel relevant and connect with whoever they want. It's really that moment of agency when you're in charge of your experience. You're not, the technology is not driving your experience. And, and what we have noticed is with sort of the side effect of this was students started turning their cameras on and interacting and participating. And the student engagement sort of went quickly up. And like, we were like seeing like students who have never talked in the Zoom, like in like since we started, they were having these side conversations, connecting and asking questions. And it was like one of those magical moments. Now, one of the things that we also have there is like, um, you don't have large videos, you have video circles that's like just around your head. So you don't have to be as conscious about what's in your background. It's really just focusing on the human and just like that human interaction piece of it. Very, very interesting. So I I know many faculty um, that have been used to classroom teaching and lecturing, although there's less and less lecturing going on. If you're using, if I was an instructor using your platform and I wanted to lecture, do I have to worry about students, uh, you know, talking? And uh, is there is there a way that the faculty has control over that? Absolutely. So as you can imagine, as a teacher, like uh, that was one of the first things that I came up to. And so what we do at InSpace, we uh, support many different configurations that you can easily choose with one click. And so you can easily go between like sort of more a little bit like let's get together into lecture style. I want to make an announcement and then go back into interactive mode where you're just interacting and having conversations. And it's literally one click. And even so as part of that, one of the configurations is actually the group work, right? So as we all know, sort of the breakout room experience, but it's very different. Like in a traditional uh, platform, when you um, have, first you have to figure out which student goes where. So that takes some time and sort of the producer job of the, (laughs) that we do sign up as teachers, right? And then once that happens, they all go into separate meetings and it's very disconnected experience, right? Like as a teacher, I have to pop between the rooms and it's just so clunky. So one of the things was like creating this visually connected breakout room experience sort of configuration. So with one click, you bring the rooms, students are assigned to rooms. So they click on their video circle and they move into the audio isolated rooms and everybody at all times can see each other. So you always know where everybody else is. You can zoom into one conversation and then you can zoom out and see where everybody else is. So just like that, that gives like this connected experience where we're all on this together, but you also have those small group moments of interaction. And if you're, um, we have like this presentation room mode where you, it's kind of like what you said, you can make sure that uh, you can mute everybody and make sure you're the only person talking. But also when students want to talk, like let's say you're making an announcement and they have questions, they can actually bring their video circle forward. So you can socially see that, ah, that person wants to say something and they don't feel like there's this pressure of interrupting you or, but then visually you get that cue that the student wants to talk. 
And I think as teachers, we always want to hear our students and like know when they, they want to talk instead of sort of calling on them, right? So that, that was one of the uh, features too. Well, that's interesting. And in, in a interactive uh, mode here, when the students are in, are in a room, uh, is there a limit to the number of student uh, bubbles or, or <laughs> attendees in that room? What's the limit? Yeah, so that's a really good question. So what we have done, so from research, we uh, learned that, you know, once you go beyond 50 people, it's really a crowd. You can't really have interactive, close, intimate conversations like in that setting. So we have really separated those into two pieces. Our interactive sort of project-based, hands-on sort of lab experiences are up to 50 people. However, we also have what's called in-space webinar mode. In that case, or we call it in-space auditorium. And there you can have thousands of folks to join and they, they can raise their hand, join the stage and have the conversations. Same interactivity for folks on the stage so that you can interact. You see the social cues and expressions and reactions. But then with one click, you can then break them into this interactive session. So like if you have like, if you have a large lecture class and you have TAs who are doing individual labs, you can also have that have that experience. Interesting. So I can imagine in a uh, in a large class, students get together and they and they meet each other and they're in one of these rooms. Now, is it possible to keep that same group of students together throughout the class so that they can uh, get to know each other, or, or or is it sort of randomized each time? Absolutely. Actually, so we have integration with LMSs like Canvas, Moodle, Blackboard, and so a D2L. And one of the things that happens there, like if you have group assignments, say there was projects that you assigned to students, you can actually use those group assigned groups for uh, separating into them into groups in, in space. Uh, the other thing that's interesting, so from say your Canvas or D2L, you can actually so there's this, it's one click. So that's like very easy to get in. You just click and your virtual classroom is always there. So you don't ever have to schedule another meeting, send the link or <laughs> figure out how to share with students and all that stuff. But also it's a, um, the teacher can choose to make it available for students 24 seven. So like, then they can actually see who is in the classroom from outside, right from LMS. And they can click and join the classroom. And one of the things that we noticed is that because the way InSpace works, it's not a transactional meeting, right? So a lot of meetings, like you go in, it's very transactional. You know exactly who's going to be there, what's going to happen, and then you get out. Uh, with InSpace, because we have those visually connected breakout rooms, it sort of becomes more of a destination and a place where people go to learn and study. And so we've noticed that students actually hang out after the class, and they have the breakout rooms open, and they can work on the projects on separate groups, and sometimes they're running to each other and have conversations. And that's been sort of an interesting side effect of also just having the, sort of this completely different uh, user experience. Yes, that, that was one of the um, features I thought I was hoping you had because to, to allow for, for some more um, uh, serendipity, you know, allowing students to, to talk to each other, even when the class is not going on, so that they can go in through their LMS and go to that class and, and open it up. So if I have friends that are spread across a couple of, maybe we don't take all the courses together, but any course that we take together with that friend, they can also go into that uh, particular course and, and, and look for them. Or is there some way to invite them or to announce that you're going to be in that room to sort of schedule a sort of a meeting amongst a group of students? Yeah, so there's a couple of ways you can do it. So you, if you're using the LMS virtual classroom, there's one classroom associated with each course. And um, so then if you're taking a class with someone, 
you can always work with them in that classroom setting. But outside of that, if you go to like just our website, you have like, you can create as many meetings as you want. You can share the link with your peers and you can have uh, whatever meetings you want. And in terms of security, we have different security settings you can choose from. For example, you can choose that only people with the domain of your school are allowed to enter or a specific list of emails or like just make it open for everybody to come in. So it's completely up to the person sort of arranging that. Now, kind of going back to the LMS version of it, like where you just have the virtual classroom per course, um, the concept here was interesting where we noticed that like students really needed to stay connected outside of that sort of quick interaction, synchronous uh, learning moment. And so uh, what we wanted to do is like really just create that digital community around the courses. Now, if you go back to um, traditional classroom, right, when you're teaching in person, when you assign students group work, you'll sometimes see like they're literally like trying to have this conversation of figuring out, okay, where do we meet? How do we meet? What's your email? Are you on Facebook? Are you on here and there? And I thought that was like very strange experience for everybody involved. And so having this place where they can just click on the InSpace on their LMS, and then what happens there, they have that virtual classroom that they can go anytime. So they don't have to find out where they're going to meet. But then also there's this chat that's always there for them. And you can add group chats as well per project, et cetera. So what happens is you can actually have that conversation on LMS. And then when you go to InSpace, that's synchronized with LMS and um, InSpace. So you can start a conversation in your virtual classroom and then continue that conversation throughout like when students are offline. And there's also mobile apps. So you, uh, when students tag each other, they get notifications. So you can tag someone say, hey guys, it's like 11 p.m. and I'm stuck on this assignment. Is anyone else struggling? Okay, jump into space. Let's work on this together. And you know that's kind of where you start building those digital communities around traditional courses or online courses or hybrid, wherever you're teaching in. Wow, that's impressive. So, so the chat is sort of always there in the background, and uh, so that's 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 why students can connect with each other, even though they're not during class, and they can decide to to meet in a in a in an in space uh, space. That's 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 really clever. Very interesting. How did you figure all this out in yourself? Now I, I'm a techie, so I want to. I've got to ask first of all how you do the proximity. Of, I, I know you have background in AI and machine learning. How, how does that work? How do you identify different voice streams? I guess. I guess you know what what how they're coming in. But tell me tell me a little bit about that. How that works. Absolutely. So, you know, it's interesting. Uh, so I have always been a little bit obsessed about proximity interactions. And actually in grad school, I started a company. And at this time, we, uh, you know, we patented a lot of work around sort of human and computer interactions and proximity-based interactions. Actually, we had a whole authentication system that uh, worked and it was like really cool. And now, you know, Apple does a lot of this, this work and it was like really fun uh, learning experience. But, uh, you know, what happened is a lot of those patents became very quickly irrelevant when we applied to this application, even though that was never the purpose that when we started. So uh, a lot of that work is patented. And one of the biggest challenges is like really making the technology work. And, you know, like when you have this breakout room experience in traditional video conferencing uh, environment, you know how it takes a few minutes to start the breakout rooms, et cetera. That's because the technology has to sort of adapt. And what we have wanted is like this seamless interaction, right? Like I, just like in a real classroom, I want to be able to just pop from one space to the other and just quickly see all my students and not have that lag or sort of the technology piece. Now, one of the things that we hear a lot is like how our platform is very seamless and simple. 
And every time I say you have tech, uh, some kind of interaction with technology that feels simple, then there's a ton of work behind the scenes that's happening. That's complexity comes from technology. And kind of that's where we focus. And we, we use machine learning to sort of aggregate and sort of send video streams and audio data in a way that sort of is seamless and fast, but also not sort of, I guess, crashing your computer. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll probably have to leave it that. But one question that you also asked that was interesting is how did we come up with this idea, right? And I think what happened is uh, one is like, I had this problem that I really wanted to solve because I, I knew I could do better. Like I was like, I, I feel like my online teaching is not where I want it to be. And I was like, we can do better, right? Could the technology support me better in my classroom? And when we started thinking about it and we sort of came up with this idea of like freedom of movement and proximity interactions, what happened is that because it was such an innovative way of thinking about it, we started very quickly attracting very talented people to it because it was this wow factor. Like they immediately saw it and like, where do I sign? I want to start working. And so like within that first week of having that MVP, we actually had seven really talented engineers join us. And then we're like just on this race of just like keep thinking, innovating. And so once, once we had the MVP ready, I sent it to a colleague at Champlain College and then she shared with others and what happened, it just spread like wildfire in the college. And then very quickly, you know, I got a call from the president and he was like, I don't know what this is, but everybody wants it. Like, how do we get this? And, you know, we had our first you know, first college sign up enterprise and we're just keep going and building. And then what happened, like all of those folks like started reaching out to us and giving us amazing ideas of like, for example, the presentation room feature where you can socially see when the student wants to talk. This was actually Ken Zola from MIT who heard from someone else from Champlain and sort of just like, it's amazing how connected higher ed is in general. Like that was phenomenal. And very quickly, like I, I remember that first month, like um, we had a support inbox that we weren't even checking. And then I go there and I see there's like thousands of emails sitting and people like from all over the country, Stanford and other places were wanting to talk to us. And it was really incredible. And he, here we are today, I guess we're in 100, over 120 schools. And uh, so I really want to say like, it was really this amazing opportunity to hear from educators what they wanted from their video conferencing learning environment online and then build with them. And all of these concepts that came up to us really was like just professors reaching out to us saying, did you guys know it works really good in this environment? Like in the asynchronous environment, we heard from some professors who were teaching asynchronously completely. They were like, we love the flexibility, but we also want to give students an opportunity to connect and build communities. And that's where we're like, what if we give you a chat where students can always be uh, getting notifications on their phones, but they also have this virtual classroom to connect, but the teacher doesn't have to be there. So it's still very flexible. And that's kind of where that idea sort of came up. And then it just, a lot of ideas came up, came from professors. I think in that first year, I talked to about 500 professors in one-on-one -on -one meetings and they had some incredible ideas. <laughs> wow. Uh, this is incredible. I, uh, in fact, that was, that was one of my uh, questions I had down here was, is it just for synchronous? And so you answered the question that, uh, yeah, it's an, an ideal situation for asynchronous environment. Uh, I helped to uh, to launch our uh, at we're, our university sort of late to the game, but we launched a new division uh, totally online, asynchronous. But I could see how this would be a wonderful tool to to add for students to build build community. And uh, as I was going through your your website, I noticed some terms I wasn't sure exactly what they meant uh, in terms of uh, engaging students. Uh, you meant. I was mentioned gesture, tether, and invite. Can you uh, fill fill me in on what that means? Absolutely. So 
so it's an interesting you mentioned that. So you can tell we, we haven't invested in sort of marketing and like we, our growth has been organic and inbound. So, so some of the words uh, might not be as familiar. So we have to go through that. But so um, so gestures are really like different reactions. So for example, in InSpace, if you want to give someone thumbs up, you actually give them thumbs up on their circle. So like they know like that was for you, not like I'm giving you a thumbs up. Who, who, who is this related to, right? So it's like very interesting con- conceptually. But also, so tethering is an interesting idea. This actually came up from um, folks at the Stanford Accessibility Office, which who were amazing, like helping us troubleshoot some of like accessibility stuff. And so the idea is that uh, you can actually connect your video circle with someone else so you can travel together. So if you need an interpreter or someone who can guide you, like if someone has visual impairment. So it was really cool concept of how we would handle it. And one of the things is like, so we're absolutely obsessed about accessibility. And, you know, as a technology company, sometimes like accessibility can be very expensive and a really big lift. But for us, it wasn't even a question, do we want to do this? Like, it was just like, as educators, like, we just knew that this was the right thing to do and make sure it's as, you know, inclusive as possible. So we actually partnered with David Berman's group and they have a lot of folks. uh, We basically build a platform with people who have special needs so that we can at every step really push and question everything. And there were lots of little things that came up, for example, like how people interact in a real environment, right? So like basically when you talk to someone, you actually are never supposed to talk to interpreter. You're supposed to talk to person if, if someone is like maybe blind person. And like there's little things like how do you manage the technology to really have those little social cues in there so like it feels right. Very cool. So uh, that brings to mind then obvious question is, do you have uh, closed captions? Can you turn that on? How does that work in a, in a, in a room with five people? Do the te- does the text get smaller? or? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. So we absolutely have closed captioning. You can actually do live captioning. You can assign to people to live caption during the class, or you can actually have, uh, in- we have integrations with like professional live captioning, you know, companies as well. And so uh, we, we do have a nice area that is dedicated for closed captioning. So you, you can have it in there. And because you hear people who are around you, you always have like clearly what would be heard to that person at any one point. Um, and the other cool thing is I said, when you do recordings and stuff, obviously it comes with all text that goes with the recording. And now we're actually looking into translating that into different languages. So people can actually have access to their, if you go to your meetings, et cetera, it's recorded. Then you have access to your lectures in text format as well. And you can search the text or you can translate to any language you want. And that opens a lot of interesting opportunities for schools to engage with international students. Well, I'm, I'm blown away. I must tell you, um, this is very interesting. Um, I, I can't imagine the, the work that went into this and, and the technology behind this. I mean, to think, let's say, you, you know, uh, let's say you even have like five people in a room. You have to be able to distinguish you know, uh, what audio track is connected to that person and, and the proximity is measuring, you know, how close the, 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 what call, call them the bubbles, their heads are closer to each other. That was that a really a difficult nut to crack. I mean, how, how did you, um, what kind of insights did you come in, in figuring out how to do that? Um, do you use machine learning? Uh, what's the story there? So Rodney, I appreciate your technical background. You, this is the most technical question probably. <laughs> Someone trying to figure out what is actually happening behind the scenes, and I usually don't talk about this. And you know, it's it's interesting. 
uh, when we're writing the code uh, for MVP, we're actually, we have a patent lawyer on our team, which is the best thing for any company. And we really just patented everything as we were building. Like on one hand, we're building the code. On the other hand, the patent, pretty much. And so, for example, the visually connected breakout room experience, that's completely patented, right? And um, the, the idea is that anytime you come up with like really innovative idea, you're guaranteed to be copied. So you want to make sure that, you know, you cover the track. And um Yes, there is there is technical. There's some technical as you as you as you told uh, to separate the number of audio tracks and kind of understand what's going on and make sure they're all seamlessly working together. So you have that seamless experience, just going with really just flowing between the breakout rooms and like audio coming and going as you're in different contexts is a very challenging technical issue uh, challenge, but. Um, I have PhD in computer science, and I have partnered with our uh, my, our CTO. Me and her worked uh, together in college, and she has been in video conferencing space for a very long time. And we have very quickly really brought a lot of engineers who had tons of experience in that space. And it, it was funny. In a way, we were all kind of always thinking about different pieces of it, but it just sort of came together and started making sense. But that's as far as I can tell you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. You know, uh I, I would think one of the challenges would just get students to use decent microphones. I mean, uh, you must have to have built-in au- automatic gain control for each uh, each student. But uh, was was that a challenge to get? To, do you recommend uh, you know headsets like you have and that sort of? Yeah. So you know, it's interesting. I feel like the pandemic really was this interesting moment in in our history where like everybody sort of went through this process of learning how to use microphone and video. And like, I can tell like what we were experiencing early on days, like our tech support was basically how do, how do I make my microphone work? So we were like, okay, how can we help you? And I think at one point we had a professor in one of the colleges and she had so, so many uh, technical issues and stuff. And we basically were like, we just shipped her a you know, headset. <laughs> and that was like, you know, and, but what we are noticing now, like a lot of people really figured it, that out. And that's been like really incredible to see that happen. And like, in, in a way, I think you kind of mentioned, right? Like that first year was like all about surviving the online instruction, right? Like really just like duct taping and surviving and coming up with like, methods to sort of replace some of the things and then now i think what's interesting is it's now about like thriving how can we thrive in virtual environment how can we make sure that we're building things that are really supporting pedagogical methods that we want to have in our classroom so our goal was like can we take the technology out of the way so teachers can do their best work and they're so good at teaching like what let's not constrain them and i think like so language and psychology professors they very quickly reacted and they were like, this is a game changer. Like I can have my students make a circle and have a conversation in a circle. And when a new person comes in, they literally move a little bit and make space for that person. And that's just such a human inclusive thing to do. And uh, for some conversations, it's really important to have that environment where you can have that conversation or like, you know, we've seen other professors use the concept of voting with your feet so like they literally put something on the background and have students vote based on like where where they want to go and like all these different interactive things we had a history professor who literally had this different background of history spin and they would zoom in into different areas and students will walk around and like really have this include um, sort of immersive experience like as they were going through like different concepts of what was happening in that in that time so it was like just really fun to see like all the different use cases when we just took the technology out of the way and we're like, let's just use the plot, do whatever we do. <laughs> right. 
Uh, that's great. I do have to ask you about higher ed institutions like to measure everything. So what sort of analytics are built into your system? And uh, for example, would they be integrated with the LMS in terms of uh, various analytics? Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So as a machine learning uh, you know, professor, this is one of my best, most favorite topics to talk about. I think so So measuring, anytime you can measure something, you can always do better. And it's like, for me, it's like really important, but also measuring can be challenging because that can also affect your process. So uh, we have, we have analytics. So we track student engagement and um, it's really important. And what happens at the end of your class, you just go to your LMS, all the engagement analytics is right there for you. So you can quickly see which students are doing great, which students need a little bit of nudge and where, where you need to really reach out to some students and kind of make sure that that they're engaged. And as every professor knows, like, you know, early, early reaching out and identifying challenges, like is the most important, best thing you can do for retention and making sure students are really striving in your, in your classroom. And so, so for me, it's like really important to focus on really getting the right analytics. So that helped. I know there's like, so, so sometimes you might think like, okay, how often do students talk and like all that conversation is important. But what we heard from a lot of professors is the moment you start students know that you're going to measure their engagement by the amount of talking they did, it really just paralyzed the conversation because now they're just feeling like they have, they're forced to talk. It's like this forced conversation and it just doesn't feel right. And so, and I'm sure every student will relate to this. It's very like inside a driven conversation, right? And so what we are doing, we're actually measuring the conversational dynamic, right? Like the quality of the conversation that people are having. So one feature that's unique to InSpace that um, is not in any of the other platforms is um, when, you, when you're like, for example, in this environment like Zoom, uh, there's something called dominant speakers. So if I'm talking, then everybody else's voices get cut. So like, it's just my voice. And what this creates is this abrupt pauses, right? So if you just have any kind of reaction, it's going to cut my voice and then people just refrain from that. But as humans, it's so important to have those little moments of like, you know, when you agree with someone and you say, mm -hmm, yes, or some little sounds we make, right? And it's so important to hear those sounds so people feel comfortable in that interaction, right? And that changes the complete quality of the conversation. So in InSpace, you will actually hear those little sounds and it won't cut the speaker. So people very quickly go back to their natural sort of like when they first start, they keep going on the mute, like they have been trained for a year now. And then very quickly, they're like, oh, this is okay. I can just have little reactions and that's okay. And so what we do is like we measure those pauses and the uh, and all that interaction and the dynamic conversational dynamic. And then there's other things like uh, the movement in the space. Like if you, if you start breakout rooms and students are not moving, then they're not paying attention, right? That's very obvious. There's accountability sort of baked into the user experience and so as a teacher at the end you get like analytics in terms of like how engaged your students are and not but it's not coming from just how much they talked interesting yeah very clever it's funny because as you're talking about that i was thinking well i'm muted myself now because i when i would edit my podcast uh, sometimes i you know i would say uh-huh you know yes mm -hmm. but that to me, at least in a podcast scenario, that gets pretty annoying. And so I would generally cut those out. But I can understand that in an educational situation, it may make a big difference. Well, I listen, uh, th this has been great. I, I, I don't want to, I want to be um, um, protective of my audience's time. So let me just say, I, I had a couple of remaining questions, which, uh, how long did it take you to put this together? I, I didn't really ask you that in the beginning. 
from the time you decide you were going to build a company until the time that you launched it? What what was the time frame? How, how long ago did you start all this? And when did you go live with your first paying customer? That's a great question. So basically what happened is we had a lot of the pieces from previous work together, but we didn't like sort of envision like we were going to start video conferencing platform, but a lot of the proximity work we already had coded for a different scenario. And once we switched the concept of how we're applying, it all sort of became relevant. And then my co-founder had a ton of experience with video conferencing. So, so basically what happened is like, we really just like started from that place of like having previous work. Uh, But our first customer launched in September of 2020 which is very quick turnaround, but you also have to remember we grew very quickly as a company. Like from the moment we decided to do this, I think within the first week, we already had seven engineers to join us. By the end of that month, I think we were like 15. And now we're like, you know, we're just growing at an incredible rate. And that was the only way we could do it. And the driver was like, I was like, okay, uh, in September, I have to go back to class and I want this in my classroom. And I had it in that first day of the classroom. And it was Absolutely insane. No one slept. Lots of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. And and uh, another question I have is about the uh, the business model. Do uh, do you have to sign up with the institution, or is there a way that a faculty member can just do it uh, per on, on a per course level? How how does that work? Absolutely. So we we like so we support everyone wherever they are. So institutions and faculty. So if you actually go to our website, um, you can you can sign up and you can start uh, using the platform. It's really important for us to make sure that people have access to the platform. So if you go to inspace.chat, it's like inspace, right? Uh, that chat, and you can you can de- um, do a demo with us, and you can sort of see how it is, or you can sign up and give it a try. And so schools are signing up at different levels. You can have a department level or institutional level. And then uh, there's a lot of different things like uh, at enterprise level. Right now we have a thing where you can get unlimited video recordings uh, available in your LMS. And there's like all the different pieces. And um, yeah. Got it. Well, that, that's great. It makes sense. Well, listen, this has been great. I, I really um, appreciate your time. Um, Noreen, I think you've you've got a great product here, it looks like, and I can't wait to try it myself. So again, thank you so much for, for talking with me today. Thank you, Ronnie. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. That's it for today's podcast. I hope you are as interested in trying out InSpace as I am. And stay tuned for Pacabell for the Potomac. Until next time, have a great week.
that's it for today's episode. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to give Rod feedback. You can leave comments on his blog or send email to rod at rodspulsepodcast.com. The preceding audio commentary is the product of the author, Dr. Rodney Murray, and does not represent the official viewpoint of any other institution or company.